G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. It's only a Christian tradition that the high priest would have a rope tied around his ankle as he went into the Holy of Holies, and that if he wasn't quite scrubbed up enough, that he'd be struck dead and they'd drag the priest's mm. body out. There's actually no evidence that that ever happened. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In our last program, we began learning about the Day of Atonement, how the name Yom Kippur came about, and how two goats were required for this particular sacrifice. So in this program, we're going to find out why the two goats were necessary and what happened to them. We kind of stopped at a bit of a cliffhanger, you know. The high priest, he's cleansed himself and he's offered a bull of sacrifice for his own sin, the sin of his family, so that when he goes in before God, he's not going to be struck down. Remember, God can't tolerate sin, Mm. cannot be in the presence of sin. And the Holy of Holies represented the place where the presence of God was. And, of course, he, he took the, uh, the blood of one goat, the one that the, the poor animal got the lot, and he went, oh, drat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the lot fell to me. Off with his head. So he takes the, the, um, uh, the blood into the Holy of Holies, sprinkles it on the mercy seat, and then what happens to the second goat? Now, the second goat, he is called the scapegoat. And I was fascinated when I first uh, studied uh, this particular feast, because that's when I realised that the term scapegoat mm. comes from the Day of Atonement. So what would happen is the high priest, after he's put the um, the blood on the mercy seat, he comes out and he puts his hands onto the second goat, symbolically putting the sin of the people onto the goat. Mm. And then that goat is then led out into the wilderness and some somebody, some lucky person, has to follow this goat for seven days to make sure oh, the wow. goat doesn't inadvertently come back and bring the sin back. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I have read in some places where they would take the goat out and maybe push it off a cliff or something to make sure that it couldn't accidentally oh, wander right. back, which is kind of savage. But the point was the sin has been paid for and it has been taken away. It's sent away. It will never, ever, ever come back. Mm. So that goat becomes the scapegoat. He's bearing the sin of the people and he's taking it away. It's paid for and now it's taken away and it's gone, which is quite quite incredible imagery, mm. particularly if you know anything about the New Covenant Scriptures and how it describes Jesus. That's right. And yeah, what well, he did. Jesus obviously acted as our scapegoat in the whole process of his crucifixion. Precisely. It's ama- it, the, the imagery is just stunning, isn't it? The mm. parallels is amazing. Just as a quick aside... There is a tradition, it, it's, I learned it years ago, but it's, a, it's only a Christian tradition, and that was that the high priest would have um, a rope tied around his ankle as he went into the Holy of Holies, and that if he wasn't quite scrubbed up enough, that he'd be struck dead, and that if that happened, they could just drag the priest's mm. body out. There's actually no evidence that that ever happened, and there is zero 
mention of anything like that in any kind of Jewish literature regarding or Jewish history. So it, it's literally oh, just a Christian tradition. That's amazing. Because I've heard that, yeah, over the years as well. I did too. I thought it was fascinating, yeah. but it's, it's just a great legend. There you go. <laughs> that's really all it is. Okay, so the traditional belief, and this is fascinating, this really grabbed me. There is a traditional belief that is actually written in the Talmud. So the Talmud is not scripture. But the tradition was is that a scarlet cord would be tied around the neck of the scapegoat and that when the goat was led out into the wilderness, it reportedly turned white, evidencing that the sins had been washed away, that the sacrifice had been effective and all was well with the world again. However, about 40 years before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the Talmud records, and this is around about the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, Mm. around about that time, the cord stopped changing colour. Oh, wow. And this is recorded in the Talmud. Now, is it real? I don't know. Mm. Is it a legend? I don't know. But the acknowledgement in Jewish literature, religious Jewish literature, that before this period of time, the scarlet cord turned white, after that period of time, it stopped changing altogether. That's amazing. Isn't that fascinating? So it was like it no longer needed to change colour. Exactly. Yeah. Because the, the ultimate sacrifice had been made. Mm. After that, it wasn't necessary. Amazing. It was just basically a ritual they were going through. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. I, I love hearing that stuff. <laughs> I think that's really fantastic. But the, what gets me is that this is an acknowledgement by the Jewish religious community at that time. So even they recognized that up until 40 years before the temple was destroyed, they acknowledged that something had changed. Mm. And it changed, not that they acknowledged that it changed at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. You can do your own calculations there. But they acknowledged that at that time, it changed. Mm. I, I find that really remarkable. Okay, so that explains the role of the high priest within the Day of Atonement. What about the Jewish people? Yom Kippur is the only, I say, quote-unquote, holiday or celebration. It is, but it's also one of those sort of very sacred, solemn ones. It was about personal affliction, about a humbling, about a repentance. It's about preparation for repentance because at the end of the day, um, if you are unrepentant, then there is no forgiveness. And if there is no forgiveness, you bear your own sin. And if you bear your own sin, your eternal destination is in question. So Mm. the point of this is to be repentant, to be humble, to acknowledge your sin, uh, to bring about change in your own life, to turn away from sin, and to put your faith and trust in the sacrifice that is being made for you so that the scapegoat takes your sin away and therefore you are written in the book of life. That's the whole point. But there is this lead-up fast. You've got the 10 days of awe and there is this lead-up fast up to the point of Yom Kippur. So, of course, that mirrors the fast that Esther called for. Exactly, because you can see why that they would adopt that particular name. There are so many patterns or is a lot of repetition in a lot of the things that happen within Jewish feasts, festivals, and, and, and we've talked about the law of first mention before. You know, there is so much repetition in Jewish traditions and, and rituals that you can just go, oh, that's just like this and that's just like that and it, and it all goes back to then, you know. I've, I find this stuff fascinating. But the necessity for the fasting you can read about in Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23, also in Numbers 29 as well, 
The fast begins an hour before sundown on the 9th of Tishri and it lasts for 25 hours until sundown and they traditionally, they call this Sam Kal or that means an easy fast or some say Gama Katimatova, that means may you be sealed in the book of life for good. Wow. They, you know, this is the desire of their heart. And it's also um, a Shabbat Shabbaton and that means it's a very special kind of Shabbat um, which is like a day of complete abstention from any kind of work and any other than to save life. And that is very much um, a part of Judaism, So, which is because that is the heart of God. Life rules everything. Yeah. You know, you can break a law, you can break something if it means you're saving a life. So you've mentioned the personal affliction or humbling that is a part of the Day of Atonement. What sort of things do people do on the day? They celebrate by way of calling it the five afflictions. There's no eating and drinking for the 25 hours. No washing and bathing. I must say that they, they do have a bath and they do wash just before. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But during that time, no washing, bathing, no application of lotions or perfumes, no wearing leather shoes and no sex. This is about self-denial so that you can focus on God and have an attitude of repentance, dealing with the junk in your own heart. Mm. So this is very, very serious it's about dealing with sin. Now, I will go so far as to say that we in a politically correct culture and particularly the church in the West that's all about making people feel good, we don't like to talk about sin. But sin is actually so destructive. It's so dangerous and it's so expensive it costs God his son. So if God talks about sin and the need for repentance so much in his book that he's written to us, surely it should be something that we are also equally concerned about and we should stop calling it a problem and we should stop calling it an issue and we should stop using pop psychology to assign blame for our sin on the fact that we weren't potty trained very well Mm. or because our teacher was mean to us. We all go through stuff, we all experience stuff, but in the end of the day, what we do and when we sin is our responsibility and that is the focus of Yom Kippur, taking responsibility for your sin and dealing with it. It's been a fascinating study so far and we're two-thirds of the way through our exploration of the Feast of Yom Kippur and we will conclude this next time on Foundations, learning more about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.